wonder if there's anybody here who needs to hear some good news. Is anybody here who needs to hear from God about God's love and care for them? Is anybody like that here today? Well, we are lucky because we get to go to the scriptures. We get to go to God's word and hear uh, from him. Good news for people who need to hear good news, and that's us. And today and next week, we are going to be hearing the good news as it comes to us from the book of Ruth. So if you brought your Bibles along, I'd like you to turn to the book of Ruth. If you didn't bring a Bible along, that's okay. We're going to be showing the scripture passages right up behind me. But if you did bring your Bible along, I want you to turn to the book of Ruth. But as you turn to the book of Ruth, if you're doing it right now, or if you do it later, I want you to be careful. Be very careful because when you turn to the book of Ruth, you might miss it because it's pretty small. It's right near the beginning there. It's kind of small. It's, it's wedged in right between some really big books. So when you get to the book of Ruth, what comes before the book of Ruth are some really, really big books. You've got the book of Joshua. Joshua was a great military commander. He was a protege of Moses. He's the one that went into the land and conquered the land. And Moses is, or Joshua is a long book. It's a big book. It's a sturdy book. And then right after Joshua comes Judges. That's a book about all the different leaders, the judges of Israel the people at the top, the people who had command. That's what comes before the book of Ruth. What comes after the book of Ruth is first and second Samuel. Samuel was so great that they named two books after him. Most people only get one, he got two. He was one of the great priests of Israel. And in his two books, what you hear a lot about are the kings of Israel, but especially King David, the greatest king. So there you have uh, this great story of Joshua and Judges, and then you hear First and Second Samuel and the story of David, and right there in between them, almost like a little cottage between skyscrapers, you have the book of Ruth. This little book of Ruth, and Ruth was not a king. Ruth was not a priest. Ruth was not a military leader. Ruth was an immigrant. Ruth was a migrant worker. Ruth was somebody who had an unimaginably difficult life. She lived the kind of life that oftentimes doesn't get noticed. We often think, and I wonder if you think this too, that your life is just kind of mundane. Not many of us will ever be kings. Not many of us will ever conquer kingdoms. But there is Ruth, and her story is told there. We often think that people don't notice us. They don't see us. But our God is different. Our God just doesn't notice those who are in the halls of power, kings, great conquerors. Instead, God tells the stories of the people who are on the struggle and are having a hard time of it, people who sometimes get sick or who are sad. And Ruth is the story of a migrant worker, an immigrant, somebody who didn't know the language. And this is telling us something before we even open the book of Ruth. It tells us that our God is different. He sees things differently. He sees people in their everyday lives, and he wants us to know, he wants you to know that he is in your story. No matter how mundane it may be, no matter how difficult it might be. And God wants us also to know that he's not only in our stories, but also he is using your story, no matter what it is. He's using your story and all of its difficulty and all of its conflict. We might think that our story isn't going to add up to much. We think, I don't, I don't, I don't, I'm not in leadership. I'm not even feel very faithful. I don't even know what's going on. You know, Ruth didn't grow up in the church. She grew up outside of God's people. She grew up in a country called Moab. 
And you think, well, I didn't grow up in the church, and I don't know exactly what's going on, and I don't know all the stories, and they are talking about 2 Corinthians 55. I don't even know what any of that is. And Ruth tells us that our God sees things differently. We think, he doesn't pay attention to me. And God says, have you considered my servant Ruth? So that's who we're going to look at. We're going to be looking at the book of Ruth because the book of Ruth shows us places that we wouldn't be able to see otherwise. It isn't the halls of power. It isn't the great leaders. It's people who are on the ground. And so what I want us to do right now is I want us to read, we're going to read together the first chapter of the book of Ruth. The book of Ruth is very short. It's four chapters. I hope that tonight you'll read the whole thing. If you've never read it all the way through, you are in for a treat. But right now, we're just going to go through the first chapter so we can all be on the same page and we can think together what we've been thinking about for our sermon series, trusting the process of faith. How do you trust the process of faith? And how do you trust the process of faith, not when you're a great person of great power and leadership, but instead, you're on the struggle. You're living on the ground. Things might be difficult. That's what I want us to look at today. So before we do that, before we look at this first chapter, would you please pray with me? Let's pray together. Dear God, we need your help. We know that you speak through your scriptures. We know that you speak when you tell these stories to us. So would you please do that? We need to hear good news. We want to hear how to trust you even when things are hard. So God, help us now. Help us to know how much you love us and help us now also to love you back. We pray this in Christ's name, amen. All right, you ready? First chapter, here we go. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land, and a man of Bethlehem in Judah went to sojourn in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. Right from the get-go, we see that this is the story of real life. Don't think of a a, a picture book Bible with uh, the little characters that are drawn out. This is real life. It says it's the time of the judges. If you don't know anything about the time of the judges, the book of Judges might be the most chaotic book in the Bible. There was uh, moral confusion. There was injustice. There was very little worship of God. There was calamity. There wasn't real good leadership. And on top of that, it says there's something else going on in this time of the judges. It says there's a famine. And when you think famine, I want you to think real hunger. When you and I talk about hunger, you know when you say, I'm hungry? It's even a different word. There should be a different word for it because when there's a famine, there is real hunger, not like what you and I face. Like it makes me think of our staff meetings here at Renaissance. We have staff meeting on Tuesdays and it starts at 9 a.m. The pastors get together. We talk about what came before in the service. We talk about how things are gonna go forward. And then we all meet together as a staff at 10 a.m. And we work from 10 to 11 and then 11.15 and 11.30. And some of us are getting kind of hungry around then. And there's one particular staff member who gets really antsy and agitated, and it gets to be around 11.40. And this one particular staff member that I'm thinking of, he starts using words that have to do with food, even though he doesn't have to. It just starts coming up. So he'll start saying things like, I think our church is really hungry uh, to be fed with real, uh, the food, and he'll, he'll bring all these things up. It's very agitated. That's a different kind of hunger. I'm, it doesn't matter who, what member of the staff it is. It doesn't, that's not the point. I'm not going to tell you who it is. It's, I'll, I'll tell you their initials. It, his initials are Christian Andrews, but that's not, no, 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 that's not the point. My point is that this is real hunger that they're having to face. This is a real struggle. All right, let's keep going. Don't tell him I said that. Okay. 
The name of the man was Elimelech, and the name of his wife, Naomi. And the names of his two sons were Malan and Kilion. They were Ephratites from Bethlehem and Judah. They went into the country of Moab and remained there. So here we see the story of a man, and it's his family. And you hear stories start like this a lot. There was a great warrior, or there was a prince who did thus and so. And see, we hear, we have the name of the man was Elimelech. So this must be a story about Elimelech and his family. It's a story about Elimelech, right? Okay, keep going. Verse three, but Elimelech, the husband of Naomi, died. Well, he's gone. And she was left with her two sons. These took Moabite wives. The name of one was Orpah and the name of the other Ruth. They lived there about 10 years and both Malan and Kilion died. So that the woman, we're talking about Naomi now, was left without her two sons and her husband. This is not about Elimelech. And this is not even yet about Ruth. This is about Naomi. And this is about a woman who, we've already covered this. She's living in a really desperate time. There's a famine. This is the time of the judges. She had to journey to this place called Moab. And Moab was the mortal enemy of Israel. So she went into a place now where she is not known and she's maybe even hated. And when she gets there, her husband dies. And then her son dies. And then her other son dies. And again, I want you just to think about this for a second, about how difficult her circumstances are here, about how dire they are. I want you to think also about how reasonable it would have been if she just gave up. I mean, her life couldn't be going any worse. You could think that she would maybe just want to give up. And look and see what she does. Look at verse six. Then she arose. Then she arose with her daughters-in-law to return from the country of Moab, for she had heard in the fields of Moab that the Lord had visited his people and given them food. She starts to hear rumors about what's going on back in Israel, back in Bethlehem, her hometown. So she set out from the place where she was with her two daughters-in-law, and they went on the way to return to the land of Judah. Will you do something for me? Will you say, then she arose? Then she arose, yeah. She didn't stay where she was at. You could have forgiven her for staying there, not going anywhere. She'd been there for 10 years and she lost everybody and it's gonna take a lot for her to get back, but she decides to go back. She's not gonna quit. She feels empty. She feels alone, but she's gonna go back to Bethlehem. She has heard a rumor that it's possible that God is feeding people back there. And so she's gonna go back. She's gonna try to move on. She's not gonna give up. Verse eight. But Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, go return each of you to her mother's house. May the Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant that you may find rest, each of you in the house of her husband. Naomi's going back. It's been 10 years, but she's gonna try to go back. But what she tells her daughters-in-law, she says, don't you go. And she's being kind when she says that but because she knows that it wouldn't be good for her two daughters-in-law to go back. They would then be immigrants. They'd be going back to a place that they didn't know, didn't speak the language, didn't know anybody there. And there's nothing in legal or cultural custom which would make it so that these two daughters-in-law would have to go with her. She says, I'm gonna make this journey alone. You guys should stay here. You should make this move. You should stay here and try to find another husband. They're still yet young. Naomi is quite old. And Orpah realizes the best move is to stay And that's what she does. Take a look at verse 14. Then they lifted up their voices and wept again, and Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. 
And she said, see, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. It's the smart move. Orpah's making the smart move here. She's doing the thing that's best for her. It's not cruel. It's not unkind. She's doing the thing that she should do. But Ruth, Ruth does not make the smart move. Ruth makes a very faithful move. Ruth does the thing that in the economy of the world is a crazy thing to do. But in the economy of God, it's a sure thing. Look at what Ruth does here. Look at this. Verse 16, but Ruth said, do not urge me to leave you. Uh, Naomi must have been protesting pretty hard. Do not urge me to leave you or to return from following you. For where you go, I will go. And where you lodge, I will lodge. That word lodge that means when you're out there in the field, it means when you don't have much. It doesn't mean you're in a fancy place. When you're lodging, it means you don't have anything. You're out there camping. Ruth says, when you're out there with nothing, I'm going to be there with you. Where you die, I will die. And there will I be buried. May the Lord do so to me. And more also, if anything but death parts me from you. And when Naomi saw that she was determined to go with her, she said no more. I love that. You know, when somebody just... You can't say anything to him. You know, Ruth is saying all these things and Naomi says, I just can't say anything to you. Sometimes it's when somebody's really antagonistic to you and they just keep needling you and they keep poking you and you're just like, I can't say anything to this person. But it's different for Naomi and Ruth. Naomi looks at Ruth and it's somebody who's being so kind to her and so committed and so resolute. I'm just gonna be with you all the way. And Naomi realizes, I just can't say anything to her. She's gonna go with me. And so she does. Look at verse 19. Verse 19 says, The two of them went on until they came to Bethlehem. And when they came to Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them. And the woman, women said, Is this Naomi? The people don't even recognize her. You wonder why they don't recognize her? I'm not sure either. Maybe it's because her husband and her two sons aren't with her anymore. Or maybe it's because those years and that suffering has taken a hard toil on her. 10 years. Maybe they don't even recognize her anymore. And you see, she has lost her husband and she's lost one son and then she's lost another son. And it seems that maybe she's felt that she's even lost herself. Keep reading. They said, is this Naomi? She said to them, don't call me that. Do not call me Naomi. Call me Mara. For the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. I went away full, and the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi when the Lord has testified against me, and the Almighty has brought calamity upon me? There's some wordplay going on here. Naomi can mean either sweet or pleasant. She says, I'm not sweet, and I'm not pleasant either. She says, you should call me Mara. Mara means bitter. There's some wordplay going on here. She says, I'm not pleasant anymore, I'm bitter. And you see also, she says that the reason for her bitterness, the reason that she went out full and came back empty, she says is that the Lord has testified her against her and brought calamity against her. She says that God has done this to her. Now, read this carefully. It does not say in the scripture that God did this to her. It's that she feels that God has done this to her. But don't get it twisted. It does not say here that God has brought calamity against her. To answer the question, did God bring the calamity against her? The very best way that we can answer that question is that we look at the life of Jesus. If you ever want to know what God is like, 
If you ever want to know what God's character is, look at the life of Jesus. And when you look at the life of Jesus, Jesus did not go about Galilee finding healthy people and making them sick. Jesus did not go about cutting people down. Instead, he went to the houses of mourning and raised people up to new life. So God isn't the one that brought this calamity against her, but you can see why she thought that. And so now she is bitter. She went out full, a family, a a future, and a hope. And now she has come back and she is empty and she is bitter. And here now is where I want to talk about trusting the process of faith. I want us to think together about what it means to trust God when you feel bitter. When you look at your life and you say, this has not gone how how I wanted it to go. And I think we can safely say that Naomi here is a life in the extreme that didn't go like she wanted it to go. She's lost everybody. She's even lost herself. So how do you trust God when you feel bitter? You're gonna have to face that at some point. Maybe you're facing it now. Maybe you'll face it in the future. But how do you trust God when you feel bitter? So there are three things that I wanna talk about when it comes to trusting God when you feel bitter. I want you to trust God to bear with you in your bitterness, to bear with you. He'll bear with you in your bitterness. The second thing will be trust that you have to move in your bitterness. When you're bitter, you've got to move. There's a place to go. And the third thing is trust God to be with you in your bitterness. He will be with you. And if you didn't remember all those three things, I'm going to talk about them all again right now. So here's the first one. Trust God to bear with you in your bitterness. Trust that he will bear with you, that he's not going to reject you. Take a look at verse 20. Naomi said to them, do not call me Naomi, call me Mara, for the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. I went away full and the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi when the Lord has testified against me and the Almighty has brought calamity upon me? Naomi is not afraid to tell it like it is, not only to tell it like it is objectively, but to say how she feels. She's saying, I feel like God did this to me. I feel like God is against me and I'm angry and I'm empty and I'm bitter. And she's not afraid to say it. She's not afraid to say it to the people around her. and She's not afraid to say it to God either. She's not hiding these things. She's not doing what you and I often do, which is when you think, I'm gonna try to trust God. All right, I feel really bitter. I will stuff all of the bitterness down and I will smile and I will be cheery, and I will come to church because church is the place where they say, this is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad. There's joy in the house of the Lord today. It's a great song. I loved the song. Musicians, I love the song. But you think, well, if there's joy in the house of the Lord today, if I'm bitter, then I must not belong there. Has anybody ever thought that? I'm not gonna go. It's online anyway. I'll stay home. And instead, Naomi is giving us an example of what we do with our bitterness. We just let it out to God. We let it out. We we actually say who we really are. We say, this is actually how I feel. And we bring it out. We don't pretend that we're something or someone that we're not. And Naomi is also still showing up. Here's another thing. If you're bitter, sometimes your temptation will be, well, I'm just going to stop coming. Or maybe it means that I'm not a Christian anymore. Maybe I can't be a person of faith. I feel really bitter. I feel like God is against me. I feel like God has done these things. And so I'm just going to pull back. And so I'm not going to even show up. But Naomi is giving us something different. She is showing us that when we trust God, we have to trust God that he'll bear with us in our bitterness. I think that Naomi's language sounds an awful lot like the Psalms. 
Because when you go to the Psalms, and the Psalms are the prayers that God has given to us, the Psalms are full of bitterness. Not always, but there's a healthy dose of them there. Let me read to you. This is from Psalm 13. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? This is a prayer of somebody who says, God has forgotten me. God is hiding his face from me. And I'm angry about it and I don't know what to do. That's what Psalm 13 says. This is what Psalm 44 says. Awake, why are you sleeping, O Lord? Rouse yourself, do not reject us forever. Why do you hide your face? Why do you forget our affliction and our oppression? And if somebody was to come to you and say, hey, guess what? I have something to say to you about God. God has forgotten me, forgotten my affliction and my oppression. You might say, no, 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 don't say that. Don't, don't say that. God never forgets us. I went to Sunday school. They told me God never forgets us. But these are the prayers that God told us to pray because sometimes you feel like that. And this is a way for us to learn that God will tr we can trust God in our bitterness. He'll bear with our bitterness. So when you feel bitter, here's why I'm telling you this. Don't pretend. Don't try to be something or someone that you aren't. And also, don't leave. Don't say, there's no place for me in this community. And this brings me to something else, too. If God will bear with you in your bitterness, that means we have to bear with one another when the people around you are bitter. It might be that we want to say, oh gosh, if someone's bitter, you kind of like, don't feel that way because God is really good. You don't feel that way. Or sometimes, have you ever been in a Bible study and somebody says something that's incorrect about God? They say, you know, God brought this calamity against me. So don't say that's not true. Well, we can bear with one another. We don't need to correct the people that are around us. Naomi here is saying things that really aren't true about God. She's angry. God has forgotten me. God is against me. God has brought affliction against me. It's okay. God is bearing with her. God is with her. It's not the end of the story. It's not the only thing to say about this, but part of trust, part of trusting the process of faith is knowing that God will bear with you in your bitterness. You can be who you really are so that he can heal and be with you in who you really are. If you just bring the fancy part of yourself, the part that says thee and thy and thou, then that's the only part that's gonna get healed. But if the part of you that's angry, the part of you that feels hurt, the part of you that feels conflicted, the part of you that's not sure that you believe all the time, bring that part. Bring that part to church and bring it into the presence of God. And that's the part where you can really begin to trust. So this is the first thing. Trust God to bear with you in your bitterness. Now here's the second part, and it's this. Trust that you must move in your bitterness. We need this first point. Some of you are a little shy about being angry with God, but some of you are pretty cool with it. <laughs> some of you are like, oh, I know how to be bitter with God. I can be very bitter with God. But here's the second point that we all need too. We must trust that we have to move in our bitterness that if you are going to stay close to God, I'm gonna explain this in a second. If you're like, what's he mean, stay, move? I don't know what he's talking about. Hear me out. If you're gonna be a disciple of Jesus, if you're gonna follow him, that means that sometimes you're gonna to have to move. You're gonna to have to go to places that are uncomfortable. Look at verse six. Then Naomi arose. She arose with her daughters-in-law to return from the country of Moab, for she had heard in the fields of Moab that the Lord had visited his people and given them food. She hears a rumor then maybe things are a little bit better there. And she's lost her husband and her sons. That's the social safety net that she has. 
So she's going to try to go where things are better. And in order to get there, she's going to have to make a journey. She can't just be bitter. And here's why I'm speaking to all of us here. You can't just say that, that we can't end the sermon with just, we just be bitter before God. That's it. Sometimes you've got to move. Sometimes you've got to get up from where you're at in whatever conflict or whatever difficulty you're in, you've got to get up and you've got to go to Bethlehem. You know what Bethlehem means? It means the house of bread. She has heard, Naomi has heard, in the house of bread, God is feeding his people. And now she has got to get up and go. And as I said before, one of the mistakes that we make is that we think, well, we have to go to God with joy in our heart. No, we can be bitter. But another mistake that we can make is that who you are is who you are, and that's it. I'm stuck with where I'm at, and I'll pray to God, and that's fine. But in terms of any change that's going to happen in my life or change that's going to happen in my circumstances, I just don't think that's going to happen. But Naomi is showing us something here. Sometimes you have to move. God is calling some of you to move right now. I don't mean away from here. Stay here. I mean God is calling you to move in your life, in your heart, in your mind. Some of you really struggle with anger. You have anger. You have anger about your circumstances. You have anger because it just wells up in you. And you think, well, this is just who I am. I, I, I'm a Christian. I know God changes people, but he's not going to change me. And, and this is just who I am. And you're kind of bitter about it. But you're just like, this is just the way it's going to be. It'd be too hard to move. I'm here in Moab. I'm just going to stay. Or some of you might have a marriage. It's kind of difficult. But it's not super, super difficult. So it's just, it's a little bit difficult. You're like, this is where I'm going to stay. It can't get better than this, so I'm going to stay. It'd be too hard to go all the way. It'd be too hard to go to Bethlehem. It'd be too hard to go to this place where God might be feeding us in a different way. You say, I'm just going to stay here. I'm just going to status quo. Or maybe you look at your life in some way, and you kind of look and you think, this could change in my life. I have an addiction. Or let's not call it an addiction. It's just something that I do sometimes. And I'm just going to stay here. It'd be too hard to move. I'm just going to stay put. It would be too hard to go all that way. And look, make no mistake, it would be hard for Naomi to go to Bethlehem. Do you know how far it is from Moab to Bethlehem? I do because I have all those fancy books that they made me buy in seminary. I've never been there, but it's 50 miles, 50 miles from Moab to Bethlehem, steep, rugged terrain. It'd be about seven to 10 days on foot. Think about that. One old elderly woman going by herself from Moab to Bethlehem. Think for a second about how hard that would be, how dangerous it would be. And not only dangerous, but also she's only heard rumors that things are better than there. She doesn't know for sure. She might get there and it might be worse than it is in Moab for her. So she has to go. She's just going to move. But she doesn't know if it's going to be any better. She doesn't know if she's even going to make it because it's so dangerous. And I think some of us think the same thing. I've got this issue in my life. I'm really kind of stuck. My marriage is kind of stuck. I know that I want to do something better, but I don't know if I can. And we think it's going to be too hard to move. And I don't know if it's going to be any different when I get there. And instead, Naomi says, you have to move. You have to move if your life is going to change. You can't stay where you're at. You have to go to the place where God is at. And Naomi is hungry. She is hungry to change. I know that some of you are hungry to change. I know some of you do not want to stay where you're at right now, and you shouldn't. And sometimes when you hear a sermon like this, or someone speaks to you, or you're reading in scripture, or the idea just comes to you, and you're like, I got to change. 
If something needs to break, something needs to change, and you kind of get up to the border of changing, and you're like, no. And you notice that's what Orpah does? Orpah gets right up to the border, and she's like, I'll go with you, Naomi. You should stay. All right, you're right, I should stay. I'm going to stay back. I'm not going to go. And some of you have had that happen to you a lot of times. You think, this needs to change in my life. I, I want to grow spiritually. I really want to grow, not just by half measures anymore. I'm really going to go and, you, well, I, I'll, I'll stay here. Y'all are getting really, real quiet. You're either really with me or really not with me at all. I'm not going to press to ask you. But I want you to know that you're going to have to move. You have to move if God is going to be at work in your life, he can bear with your bitterness, but he doesn't want you to stay there. Naomi is this woman who's had everything taken away from her and her only hope is out there and she's got to go. And it's the same for you. You are being called right now. So again, it might be some kind of addiction. It might be some kind of malfunction in your life. It might be someplace that you feel stuck. It might not even be a bad thing that you need to move away from. It might be a good thing that you need to move towards. You might think, I've really always wanted to serve in this particular way. I know that there's this need in my community. You think, yeah, I should do that. No, I'm not going to do it. No, no, no. Listen to me now. Don't let this moment pass. Don't let this moment pass Instead, you need to move. Trust God that that place that you're going to go, he can feed you. He can be with you. So that'll bring us to our third point. Our third point, which is that we need to trust God to be with us in our bitterness. Trust God to be with you in your bitterness. The first one is trust God to bear with your bitterness. He can take it. He'll be with you and he'll bear with it. The second one is you have to move. He's calling you to go to new places. And if you're going to be fed, you got to go to Bethlehem. you got to go back. You can't stay in Moab. But here's the third thing, is that when you make that journey to go, there's going to be somebody that goes with you. Now, I said that the two daughters-in-law, both of them said, we'll go with you. But then Orpah pulls back. Here's what verse 14 says. Then they lifted up their voices and wept again. And Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. And she said, see, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. Naomi says, these daughters-in-law is mine. You need to go back. And Orpah does it. Orpah makes the right move. It's the smart move. But Ruth makes a move which is faithful. Ruth does something here which is extraordinary. Ruth does something here which is supernatural. Because, look, here's what Naomi's doing. Naomi is doing the thing that's going to benefit her. 99 times out of 100, if somebody immigrates from one place to another, they're trying to go to a place where life is going to be better. Yes? You go to the place where things are going to work out better for you, and that's the way it's going to be for Naomi. Naomi is going to a place where she knows a few people. In Moab, she doesn't know anybody. But back in Bethlehem, she's got friends. She's got a few friends. She's got family. She hopes that some of them are still around. She's not sure, but she has family there. She has connections. She has people that might be able to help her out. She speaks the language there. She knows the culture there. She knows the religion there. She's going to a place that will be better for her. It's not only a place that will be better for her. She hears that God is feeding people there. 99 times out of 100, when somebody immigrates from one place to another, they're doing it for a better life. That's not true for Ruth. Ruth is choosing to go to a place that will be worse for her. 
She's going to a place where she does not speak the language. She's going to a place where she has no family and no friends. She's going to a place where she is the enemy. She's hated. Moab and Israel are enemies. And she's going to go there and she's going to be treated, unfortunately, sometimes like immigrants are treated. She is going to go back there. She's not going back there for a better life. She's going back there for a worse life. Why is she going? She's going there because she loves Naomi. She's going there because she is faithful and wants to stay with Naomi. She wants to be dedicated to Naomi. You've heard as the story's been read, Naomi is an older woman. And it might be the case that Naomi can't even make this trip without Ruth. And Ruth knows this. She is going with Naomi because of love. A faithful friend that will go with you all the way. And what I came to tell you all this morning is that when you are traveling to that far country, when you are on the journey of your life, there is a faithful friend who will go with you, who isn't going because it's better for him, but because of love for you. Did you know that Ruth is Jesus's great, 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 and on and on and on. I'm not sure how many, but in the book of Matthew, when the story is told of the lineage of Jesus against all convention, Matthew decides to include some of the women who are in Jesus's family tree. And one of the people that he names, he remembers Ruth. And the reason that he remembers Ruth, I think, is because when he looks at Jesus, he says, oh, Jesus is somebody that went into the far country. He went to the people who were his own, but his own did not receive him. He went to a place where he was despised and rejected. Jesus Christ came among us, not because it was better for him, but because it was better for us. Jesus came into this world, not because it would be a benefit to him, but because it was the source of our salvation. He comes, so he bears with us. He bears everything that we can't bear. We have to make this move to Bethlehem, and he goes all the way. Jesus, remember the old hymn? He left his father's throne above so free, so infinite in grace, emptied himself of all but love and died for Adam's helpless race. Jesus comes down and he lets go of the glory and he lets go of the love of the Father and he lets go of the place that was his. He lets go of the praises of angels for the sin-stricken curses of lost humanity. He did that for you. So when you look at Ruth here, Ruth being with Naomi, bearing with Naomi, going all the way with Naomi, that's the picture of Jesus with you. So that as you choose to make the long, hard journeys that you have to make, and you should, you should trust God to move. You should trust God that you have to make a move. When you do that, God is with you. Jesus Christ has gone all the way with you. Amen? Do you all know that? that he is with you now, that he is bearing with you now, that he will bear the load that you can't bear. And that's true for every single one of you. Some of you here may not be Christians. And if you're not Christian, I am so glad that you're here. And I'm so glad that you're here so that you can hear the truth about you, that Jesus is bearing with you all the way, that he is walking with you, that there's not a step that you can go that he won't go, not for his benefit, but for yours and that he will go all the way with you. Just like Ruth into a foreign land, Jesus comes here and he is despised and rejected. And he comes so that he can bear what we cannot bear. My dear friends, I want you to trust the process of faith even when you feel bitter, just like Naomi. And just like Naomi, be honest with what 
you're feeling inside. Be honest about who you are and be honest about the prayers you want to pray. If you feel like God has forgotten you, tell God that. Don't leave. Don't turn your back on it. Don't try to put on a front. But also like Naomi, you should arise and you should move towards what you know is good. Don't stay stuck where you're at. Don't stay stuck in whatever conflict or anger or malfunction or dysfunction. Don't stay in that. There's a better place. And when you make that journey, there's going to be somebody going with you. Our Lord Jesus Christ, who promised to never leave you or forsake you, he is the same yesterday and today and forever. He is your faithful elder brother. He is your high priest, and he is your king. And he went down even to the point of death. Ruth says, I'm not going to have even death part you from me. Jesus Christ went even down into the grave, and God has raised him up, and he'll never die again. And so he is faithful to you now, alive forever. Amen? Amen. Let us pray. Our Father, we give you thanks that you have given Jesus to us to be our faithful friend, to be the one that will travel with us into the far country. We give you thanks that we can cast all of our anxieties upon him because he cares for us and that he will be with us, never leave us or forsake us. I pray, Father, would you be with each of us here in this room. Be with me and be with each of us. Be with those who have never placed their faith in Jesus and help those who are wanting to take that first step to do it. We can only do it if you help us. We can only place our faith in you if you give us your spirit. So give us your spirit, especially those who are now thinking about what it means to follow you for the first time. And Father, there are many of us who have followed you but feel afraid to cross into the border of something new. I pray for each person here that you would help us to arise and move from the place that we're in, the place that we may be stuck in. And that you would help us to move to the house of bread where you will feed us. We give you thanks that we're not doing this in our own strength, but we're doing it by your strength. So send your Holy Spirit now to each one of us. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.